0: hi and welcome back to dissecting dexter it's been a while isn't it i do apologize for the long gap between this and the last episode various reasons not least a holiday but also my youngest son hasn't been well also work has been busy and as a result of all this, i found it really hard to find time to sit and watch Dexter, tragically. To give you a little insight into how i prep these podcasts, I need at least a good couple of hours to go through the episode and take all my notes and think about the points I want to uh, dig deeper into, all that sort of thing. I just seem to have been struggling to fit it in. I'll keep going, though. I certainly have no intention of stopping doing these. I have great fun doing them. So yes, I had a holiday just after I did the last podcast, took the family to the North Yorkshire coast, so not too far away, but we had a great time, a really relaxing week. We've also just had the Easter weekend, which gave us four days off work. I hope you guys all had a good Easter, whatever your religious beliefs are. It's still great to have a a long weekend in the middle of spring and get out there and enjoy everything springing back into life. And the weather here in the UK has been absolutely incredible. It must be one of the driest Aprils on record here. We've had a really prolonged period of dry, warm and sunny weather. So this weekend just gone, it was brilliant to get out with the kids and do family stuff. Uh, (laughs) Have picnics, barbecues, woodland walks. I love this time of year. It's also my wife's birthday next week, so we've got some celebrations to look forward to then as well. And then there's the small detail of a certain royal wedding. In England, we've been given the day off as a free day's holiday, which is nice. I'm not a royalist, and I can't say I'm too interested in the wedding. But we'll get the barbecue out and have a get-together with the family and make the most of the day off, so it's all good. Okay, so that's enough about me. Let's get back to Dexter. I got in touch with one of the show's producers, Robert Lloyd Lewis, who's on Twitter as... At RL Lewis. I asked him how season six is going, and he said that the writers are very busy working on a brilliant season six. His words. The production crew is assembling, ready to start preparation for shooting in a couple of months, so presumably a, a summer shoot, same as previous years. It was good to hear from him and know where they're at with things. I'll try and get a little bit more out of him as we go along, although I'm sure he won't divulge any spoilers. <laughs> Not that I'll be asking for them. In other Dexter news, Michael C. Hall is set to star on the big screen alongside Vera Farmiga in Love, Scotch and Death, which is to be the directorial debut of Dexter's TV creator, James Manos Jr., who has also written the screenplay. It's apparently about a character based on Manos himself, to be played by Hall. The story apparently covers a bizarre week in his life. Production is reported to be starting in November, after season 6 of Dexter is all done. Hall is apparently also going to start in The Dead Circus, alongside James Marsden, who's to play Charles Manson. Also reported to be starring in the film is recent Oscar winner Melissa Leo. Times are plenty for Hall, it seems. I think we can take this as a sign that his recent health problems are well behind him, which is great news. Right, let's get on with this week's episode. Season 1, episode 11, called Truth Be Told, the original air date, the 10th of December 2006, written by Drew Greenberg and Tim Schlatman, directed by Keith Gordon. Schlatman and Gordon are familiar names to us this season, but we've not heard from Drew Greenberg all that much. He worked as a producer all through season 1, but then left the show, this his second of his two writing credits for Dexter. According to IMDb, he seemed to drop off the radar for a couple of years after that, before becoming a producer on two other shows, first Caprica, and then Warehouse 13. Right, let's get on with the review. Here we go. Dexter's feeling very low. The opening shot is a very stylized one with him drifting down a narrow passage illuminated in red. He's looking a bit dazed. It's unusual for the show to start in this way but quite fitting after the traumatic revelations he experienced last time. Here he says if it exists, he's in hell. The scene opens up into a car park. It's the one where Batista was stabbed. Police cars are parked around, lights flashing, blood on the ground. Dexter's looking around at these things, and it parallels some of his newly returned memories. In voiceover, he acknowledges that he witnessed his mother's death. He was there. He realises that he buried the memory deep within his head, remaining hidden all these years, but carried with him the dark passenger. He seems to have put the two together, not surprisingly. Witnessing his mother's brutal murder gave birth to his dark passenger, the need to kill that he's had with him all this time. He's harboured these dark urges all these years and only now understands why, how it started, and it took a dramatic bloody gesture from the ice truck killer to trigger the unlocking of the memories. So it still begs the question, what is the connection between them? We'll leave the question hanging as Dexter snaps from the dreamlike state to the real world still at the scene of the attack on Batista. Deb's there, she's lusting for revenge in no uncertain terms, but she sees Dexter's distracted. He says he's okay but a bit distraught about Batista. (laughs) Did he convince you? (laughs) A not-so-subtle example of Dexter not doing a good job of displaying normal human emotion. Masuka seems to notice, kind of looks at him, but Dexter quickly asks about the latest on Batista, who's still in surgery, apparently. Nice little character moment for Masuka here. Deb's talking and looks at Masuka, waiting for a lewd sexual remark, but Masuka just looks sad and says his friend might die. Oh, bless him. See, he can show some decorum sometimes, but obviously we see that he thinks a lot about Batista. They analyse the scene, but Dexter zooms in on the big blood stain on the ground. So much blood. What's happening to me? It's interesting to see Dexter out of sorts, He's been well established this season as an unemotional man, detached from the normal things that the rest of us are concerned with. Now, though, his cage has been well and truly rattled. Back out on the streets of Miami, the hooker Batista spoke to last episode, you know, the one with the prosthetic hand, she's heading for a meeting with a client. She obviously lied to Batista about being out of the game, but it's no surprise to find who the client is. I don't think I'll be sticking my neck out very far to predict that she won't be breathing for very much longer. We join them a bit later on a bed and she comments how gentle he is this time compared to before. Then things get seriously creepy. The camera draws back and we see Rudy has a pen and is marking dotted lines over her body. Now we know what these are for but how blissfully unaware she is. He ends up revealing his cards in a roundabout way saying she's his escape plan from the police and that a fresh body always serves as a nice distraction. He chokes her out calmly talking to her as he does so. It's a really dark and disturbing performance from Christian Camargo here. Nicely done. Rudy then carries her into his call room to start work. Meanwhile, Deb's trying to ring him from the hospital and leaves him a message. She's in a waiting area with a few other police officers, including Dexter. Batista comes out of surgery and LaGuerta announces to everybody that the surgery was successful, and he's out of the woods. Dexter watches kind of detached from it as the officers all embrace and he amuses that he should stay put and be part of the group hug but he's too wrapped up, trapped in the clutches of a memory as he puts it. He gets up to leave and Dokes notices and he follows him out into the corridor. Morgan! What the fuck is wrong with you? I have some place I have to be. Well, well we all got some place to be. But you just found out that somebody who's supposed to be your friend is going to live. Does that make you feel anything? Anything at all. Take your fucking hand off me. Just what I always thought. <sighs> <sighs> Dokes asked for that. He was leaning right into Dexter's face there and he deserved a terse reply. But what exactly did he mean when he said, just what I always thought? What did he always think? but there's something unsettling about dexter dexter did have a great expression on his face it would have made me move my arm too back at rudy's place he's gift-wrapped numerous body parts and he's humming deck the halls obviously christmas isn't far away or that would be really weird the body parts looked really fake though to me which kind of kind of took me out of the scene a little bit certainly on this rewatch The girl was Hispanic and darker-skinned, but these body parts looked very Caucasian to me. It distracted me a little bit that they slipped up with the special effects. Rudy holds up the prosthetic hand and sees an engagement ring on a finger. He removes it, and you have to think, is he really going to give Deborah a ring from a woman he's just dismembered? A buzzer goes off, and obviously Rudy has CCTV on his front door and he sees Deb at the door. She needs a hug, having just come from the hospital, of course, and they talk about how she feels about the Batista situation. His daughter was at the hospital, and Deborah calls how she felt, kissing her own father goodbye, wondering if it was for the last time. Rudy suggests that they go away for the weekend, and seems very insistent. Later we see Deborah sleep, and Rudy, fully dressed, heading out, to set up the new body parts, we assume. Harry can't save you now, but you could... Email the podcast, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Next day, Dexter visits the records office where we meet Camilla for the first time in a long time. Remember, she was close to Harry and has helped Dexter a lot in the past with old case files and other information. Sounds like her husband is undergoing cancer treatment. They have some chit-chat before Dexter asks about an old case, the crime scene where Harry found him, but Camilla immediately shuts that down, saying the files are so old they're now locked away at City Hall. Dexter asks her if there's anything she can remember, and Camilla just says all she can remember is Harry caring enough to take him in and give him a loving family. You'd be foolish to think that she doesn't know more than she's letting on, but we've seen that she does care about Dexter, and here is highlighting to him the most important thing. She's nice, Camilla. I like her. We join Deb and Dokes at a Christmassy Santa grotto sort of scene. Fake snow falling and delightful Christmas musak playing. They're talking to two little people. Can I call them midgets? Is, is that PC? You know what I mean. They're dressed as elves and obviously work at the grotto. They have some funny banter between them that's quite amusing. And Deb and Dokes kind of roll their eyes. Dexter arrives at the scene and discovers that the ice truck killer's been at work and set out a load of body parts under a Christmas tree. That's nice of him. La seems to revel in how Captain Matthews is going to handle this one in light of what's gone on before. Dokes, though, is all arsey with Dex and butts shoulders with him as he walks past, leaving Deb to fill him in. She shows him a clock at the scene, set to 103, tying with the 103 link from the bloody hotel room last time. They still have no idea what it means. Dexter's intrigued why the ice truck killer would turn his world upside down with the hotel scene and now provides this kind of back-to-basics scene, the old M.O., all made out, laid out nicely. Masuka makes a cheeky remark to Deb and she's pleased to see him back on form after being so down over Batista the night before. Dexter observes how this scene is a little different, though. The parts are all wiped clean. But the ice truck killer seems to have broken an ornament. The scene seems rushed and Dexter wonders what this means after the killer has been so meticulous before. He finds a videotape hidden under the torso. Happy Christmas Miami, he says. Matthews arrives and gets some tough questions from the press and it's nice to see his discomfort. He joins Deb, Dexter and the others where they're watching the video. And it's the hooker looking terrified reading a message from the killer. You arrested the wrong man, made the world think I'm a rank amateur, and I'm very, very angry to answer for your mistakes. Stop the tape. (laughs) What are you doing? Look at her tears. They're rolling up. Oh, my God. The bastard's got her upside down. That's how he bleeds them out. He strings them up like meat. Interesting they get a little insight into how the killer works, but the tape is pretty disturbing and obviously graphic. Matthews makes Doakes lead on the case. He says they need some fresh ideas and takes LaGuerta off point. Doakes offers to talk to him, but LaGuerta is happy to give him enough rope to hang himself. She says there's a rumour Matthews is going to get the boot, and she's hoping she might be in line to replace him. She just loves her political games, doesn't she? And she'd love to get one over on Matthews. In a change of tone, we join Rita and the kids. They're asking when Dad's visiting at Christmas. Rita hasn't yet told them he's back in jail, but she has to now, and the kids are disappointed, and Cody says it's her fault. <laughs> kids, eh? Pugh. Deb and Dexter are having lunch, and turns out she's ambushed him a bit. She's set it up after Rudy told her he needed to have a talk. She's a bit nervous what it might be, so asks Dexter to talk to him. Then Rudy turns up and Deb rushes off to work, leaving them alone. Dexter spots a cut on Rudy's lip. He says he hurt himself in the workshop that morning, but of course we have an idea where it came from, don't we? Dexter doesn't think it looks like it was done that morning, but the conversation kind of goes on and it's brushed over. Rudy says that Deb needn't be worried. He's thinking she's someone he could spend the rest of his life with. Christ, marriage? To a serial killer? Who could imagine that? Dexter does quite a nice brotherly job and they share a laugh together. Rudy's done a great job of getting closer to Dexter, hasn't he? Back in the hospital, Batista's away, awake and pleased to see his ex-wife there. LaGuardia says she was the first one at the hospital when he was brought in, which is nice for him to hear. It does seem like he still wants to be back with her. Sadly though, he doesn't remember anything useful about the attack to help the investigation. At his lab, Dexter's examining Batista's blood-stained shirt, but let's face it, his mind is on other things. My mother was murdered before my eyes. Makes sense I choose a life where I search for meaning and blood. And the sole memory I have of her is being covered in it. I need to know more details. Isn't that just tragic? That's the only memory he has of his mother. What impact that must have on him... And interesting, he's realised the irony in his chosen career path bearing such a connection with his early memory. LaGuerta arrives and Dexter reveals he's found something on the shirt, a drop of blood that doesn't match Batista's wound pattern. It might possibly be that of the attacker. In the squad room, they're watching the videotape again and notice something. They spot a refrigeration unit in the background and deduce it must be custom made. Deb speculates they'd be, they should be searching residential areas. She says she worked vice, and smart girls know not to, go, not to go near industrial areas with clients if they want to be seen again. She comes out with some good stuff, scoring a few good detective points in my book. They deduce a geographic area to focus on, given the location of the body parts and where the escort agency said the girl was meeting a client, and they set out to look for addresses, pulling loads of electricity. It's a good break in the case. Outside. Deb's freaking out that Dexter hasn't spoken to her since his chat with Rudy. She's kind of school girly and she wants to know what he said. And then she doesn't, confused because he still wants to take her away at the weekend. Should I know? OK, tell me. You know, No, don't. We need to talk? Who says that unless you're getting dumped? I don't think that's what this is about. probably wants me out on the water in case I make a scene. You know, I always do this. I put myself out there, I set myself up to get hurt. He wants to be part of the family. What? Wait, I propose? I have to get to the library before it closes, but we'll talk about this later, okay? Oh, my God. Oh, my God! Ah! (laughs) Oh, bless her. You have to feel for her, because we know she's being set up for a fall, but she's so excited there, genuinely. Dex just walks away, because he's got some research to do. Typical. Any other brother would give his sister a cuddle or at least hang on for a minute longer and share her excitement with her or something. Not just walk away, but that's Dexter for you and Deb's well used to it. At the library, Dexter's going through old newspapers from around the time he thinks his mother was killed and then he finds something. A shipyard massacre. The date on the paper, October 3rd, 1973. one oh three. There's the connection. The ice truck killer has been leading him to this. A sub-headline says small-time criminals victims of the massacre. And there's a police photo of a woman, his mother. Her name, Laura Moser. Close your eyes. Look. Laura Moser. My mother. No wonder I felt so disconnected my entire life. If I did have emotions, I'd have to feel this. Another realisation for Dexter. He has an idea now why he spent all these years devoid of emotion. It was his mind's way of protecting itself from the unspeakable trauma he suffered at that young age. Tragic just doesn't come close. Dexter has learned more about himself in the last few days than he has over the rest of his life. And he goes to see Camilla at home. October 3rd, 1973, Laura Moser and three others found chopped up with a chainsaw. Apparently a drug dealer didn't appreciate Laura and her friend stealing his cocaine. First officer on scene was Harry Morgan. You've been busy. A crime that big, and yet yeah, there's no record of the case file at City Hall, that seems a bit odd. Don't you think? It's a long time ago. What is in that report that Harry didn't want me to see? Why was there no mention in any of the newspapers about a three-year-old boy at the crime scene? Camilla. Damn it, I need to know. I need that file. Can't give you the file because it no longer exists. I destroyed it the day your adoption went through. You did what? Made a promise to your father. Why, to protect him? To protect you. Harry had a code he'd never ask you to destroy evidence. Your father was a decent man and an honest cop. But what he saw in that cargo container changed him. You were left there for days, starving, in blood two inches thick. Camilla tells him to leave this one alone. Interesting. Did you spot the emotion in Dexter's voice there? Hard to miss. Is he coming apart at the seams a little? You'd have been hard-pressed not to notice him raising his voice, anger bleeding through. He even tries to deny Harry's involvement with the file burning by applying the code and again gets knocked back. His blind faith in Harry and the code gets rocked again. But we learn that his mother was involved with the drug cartel in some way, and stealing from them led to her death, along with the others in the shipping container. Why they left baby Dexter alive, I don't know, or what he was doing there in the first place, but maybe we'll find out in due course but how fascinating it is to see the raw emotion coming from Dexter now for the first time that we've seen. His world has been thoroughly rocked and it's making cracks in his mask. He's reacting more like a normal person would at finding out such things. A clue, perhaps, that he's not the emotionless monster he'd have us believe. The moment is interrupted by Rita ringing. Cody's run away. Dexter goes round and they alert the police. Asta blames herself. But Dexter has an idea of where Cody might be. And they find him at the playground Paul used to take him to, looking all forlorn on a swing. Poor little bugger. Dexter muses how he'd like to run away after all the lies he's uncovering. Dexter says how upset the kids are that Paul's back in jail, but Dexter says she should tell him the truth about him, and he quickly gets a a little life lesson, one that might help him understand Harry's thinking. He says Rita needs to tell them that he's a wife-beating, drug-using redneck. They should know the truth about him. Rita snaps at him that he's not a parent. Obviously, Dexter's just had some realisations about Harry and wishes he'd known the truth all along. He hasn't had enough time to process this yet to know whether that would have been a good thing or not. Camilla warned him to leave it alone, knowing more about it than Dexter clearly does. Knowing the full truth might hurt him even more. Would knowing the full truth about Paul help Cody and Asta? At this age... Probably not. Asta remembers enough to know he's not perfect by any means, but Cody idolises him. Why shatter that innocence just because Dexter's own was destroyed so brutally? It boils down to Dexter's lack of appreciation, empathy and lack of understanding of humanity. It leads him to poor judgement with things he says and does sometimes. And this is one of those times. In hospital, Batista's ex-wife visits him again and tells him off for eating junk food, and then she tells him off again when he tries to make light of it. He's presuming that he can go home to her after he gets better, based on her visiting him and them getting along, but it seems he's presumed wrong. We know he cheated on her a long time ago and she's long since forgiven him, but she recalls how unhappy they'd been prior to that. She doesn't want to go back to that, and it's sad to see him prepared to go back to that, not wanting to let go, but she says their marriage is over. Cut to LaGuerta's office. Matthews walks in. There's been a review of his department's handling of the ice truck killer case, Neil Perry and so on. The short of it is that he's been given the green light to restructure his department, starting with LaGuerta's removal as his lieutenant. She goes apeshit, reacting emotionally, as as you'd expect, We all know Matthews has been a complete prick throughout the whole thing. LaGuerta was positioned as an antagonist to Deborah earlier in the season, but really, the screw-ups in this case haven't all really been her fault. But she's been made the scapegoat, and her replacement is on her way already. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Rita goes to visit Paul in jail. She's brought Astor and Cody there, and she wants him to explain to the kids why he's back in jail. It's interesting she's given thought to what Dexter said. Personally, I didn't think it the best advice ever, but maybe she saw some merit in it. She comes out with a line that does make sense, though. Any relationship he has with the kids has to be the fa- with the father they have, not with the father they wish they had. And it's, it's kind of hard to argue with it. You can argue that it's better they know the truth and make their own choice about what to do with it. But then again, they're both still very young. Cody especially. It's a tough one, really. Rita plays it well, though, and you can see Paul's afraid of what to tell them. Back in hospital, Dexter's checking Batista's neck for a wound to account for the unknown blood on his shirt from the attack. Dexter finds teeth marks on the back of his head, suggesting he connected with his attacker's mouth. A fat lip is mentioned, and the camera zooms in on Dexter, who clearly has a sudden notion. Angel, have you ever met Deb's boyfriend, Rudy Cooper? Yeah, I went by his office a couple of days ago. Nice guy. At lunch, Rudy said he'd hurt his lip that morning. He was lying, and I was too distracted to care. But he's got my full attention now. Aop. Hey, are the pieces dropping into place inside Dexter's head? OK, he's caught Rudy in a lie about his lip, but does that make him a suspect in a serial murder case? Dexter rushes to the squad room and find, finds Deb there, much to his, his relief... He's further relieved to learn that she's not going away with him this weekend because they're up to their necks in the Ice Truck Killer case with their latest break. Going away with Rudy, that is. In voiceover, Dexter says, well, at least Deb's safe for now, leaving him clear to work on his own theory. So pieces are falling into place in his head. Of course, we know Rudy's the one, but hopefully Dexter will let us in on his own train of thought. Rudy rings Deborah to persuade her to come away with him. She tells him they have a big break in the case, which visibly rocks him. And he instead says maybe they could just have dinner. He's planning something, isn't he? And he wants to get her alone in any way he can. He'd mentioned to his last victim that he's had to kind of speed up his schedule. And maybe this is part of it. He invites Deb to join him for dinner on a yacht he's just rented. He finally convinces her by dangling the carrot of that thing they need to talk about. She knows what the thing is, and how can a woman in love resist that? Perhaps female listeners could email in with the answer to that one. We join Dexter, going, into break, uh, going to break into Rudy's apartment to do some research. He needs to be sure, of course, and he muses why Rudy would attack Batista. He's a loving boyfriend who does a valuable job helping people. It doesn't fit. But then he goes to pick the front door lock and sees he has an industrial lock, complete with keypad and a security camera, which Dexter finds very strange and surprising. It sounds like Dexter wants a DNA sample and run it against the blood on Batista's shirt. Dexter goes round the back of the building and rummages in the bins, musing how Harry taught him to trust his gut feelings, and he finds a cotton swab with some blood on it amongst Rudy's rubbish. Cut to the marina, and Deb arrives at the yacht. Rudy's gone to some effort to amaze her. The boat's covered in fairy lights and flowers, and he wastes no time in proposing to her. Of course, it's the ring from the dead hooker. (laughs) Nice. He gives her a nice speech, and Deb accepts. But she has to rush back to work, but he insists she has one glass of champagne with him to celebrate, however briefly. Were you thinking the same as me? It's going to be drugs! Cut back to the police lab, and Dexter hands in the two blood samples to be tested immediately. He rings Deb and gets a voicemail, but of course she's miles away on the boat, walking into a trap, we now presume. She mentions to Rudy that she let a call from Dexter go to voicemail. How close Dexter was. The tension's mounting now, could you feel it? Deb and Rudy chink glasses and she takes a sip. Rudy doesn't, though, instead putting something in his mouth. He kisses her and she tastes menthol. Then she spots a plastic wrapper on the table and says it reminds her of bad memories. It reminds her of the lozenge wrapper that they picked up at the hospital, where they found Tony Tucci. And then... Oh, that's right, that was the, the one clue. The ice truck killer left behind, right? Right. Wait, how do you know that? I don't know if I make mistakes, but when I do, they haunt me. Hilarious. Your champagne's gonna get warm. You know the one thing I've been dying to ask you. How did you not know who I was? You're a cop. Symphony. I think a real cop would um, at least have a sense that she was in the presence of the person that she was hunting. Right? You're hurting me. I didn't show you the no. best part of my loft. I built it myself. Don't We just made it room. Oh, God, wait! The whole tricky part was getting you on the boat. The other one might just pay. No. At the end? No. You made it easy. No. So desperate to fall in love. Dad. What a fucking psycho. At the end there, pointing out her own personal human failing, the desperation to find true love, and she was blind to her police instincts. What a psycho. What a bastard. Preying on someone's personal weakness, manipulating them in the most callous and cruel way. And so far, we still don't know what his end game is. Poor Deb. There, I've said it again. If I had a pound for every time I said those words... But even as he was revealing his cards to her, she couldn't believe it. Hilarious, she said, when he talked about not often making mistakes. I'm not sure why he put the lozenge in there, though, when kissing her. Unless it was a little bit of a game, to see if the penny would drop with her, fully intending to choke her out afterwards. Playing with her. Did he need to explain himself to her in any way, though? Wouldn't a true psycho just get on with it? She's not important to him, apart from being a means to an end. Choke her out and get on with it, whatever he has planned next. The things he said to her as she, as she choked out just show what a cruel, callous and twisted piece of work he really is. Dexter meets Masuka in the corridor at the police department. He has the autopsy on the dead call girl. The report shows she was an amputee and had a fake left hand. They also know that Batista was attacked while following up on an ice truck killer lead that he got from a one-handed call girl. And so, more pieces fall into place, if you'll pardon the pun. The final confirmation comes swiftly. The blood on Batista's shirt matches the blood on the swab Dexter found in Rudy's rubbish bin. That's it. Dexter's head implodes at the realisation, backed up by forensic evidence. Rudy is the ice truck killer. Dexter rushes to the homicide office looking for Deborah and finds she's gone out to dinner. Oh my God, that puts the frighteners on him good and proper. He desperately tries to get in touch with her, knowing now her life is in real danger. Dispatch, this is Dexter Morgan. I need you to raise Officer Deborah Morgan on her radio. Sorry, sir. She's been out of range for the last half hour. It's Deb. Do it. Where the fuck are you? I'm here at work and you're not. I need to talk to you. Do not see Rudy until you find me. Call me when you get this. Yet still he doesn't know why, and neither do we. The episode closes out with a shot of Rudy on the boat, out on the open water, looking very relaxed. Deb's phone bleeps to say she's missed a call from Dexter. He looks at it and tosses it over the side. The final shot is Deborah, unconscious, hands-bound, lying on the deck. Wow. Wow. What a finish to the episode. Just breathless stuff as Dexter quickly unravels the mystery of the killer's identity. If Deborah wasn't involved, perhaps he would have been quite calm about it, but again his emotion is showing. Brotherly concern for Deb. I wonder how much extra emotion was involved because he knew the ice truck killer was making a personal connection with him. He gave Dexter back his memory of his mother's death. How would he know about that? He's Dexter's age... He wouldn't have been involved with the killing himself. Therefore, this guy clearly has some answers about Dexter's past, and he wants to know what they are. He won't want this guy to get away. Personally, my gut feeling is that this panic of sorts of Dexter's there at the end was because of his concern for Deb, knowing she's in the company of a serial killer, unlike any he's encountered before, one with a personal connection to him and one now in possession of his sister. His head must be swimming. This sets us up just wonderfully for the season finale, a classic cliffhanger ending. This was a strong episode, nicely paced, building up the tension, steadily increasing the pacing up to that breathless ending. Let's hear what you thought about the episode. Listener feedback: Tom in Poland emails in, saying, Hi, I don't really have a lot to say about this one, even though I enjoyed it thoroughly. The situation became intense. Can't wait to rewatch the final episode. Through the whole episode, we see Deborah happy and excited, and she almost doesn't believe the truth about Rudy, even in the moment he holds her in a grip. Truly devastating for her. Also, we see how deeply Dexter cares for his sister, which once again puts his claims of not feeling emotions in doubt. Another solid episode, and even though I'm not so keen on this show as I used to be, it's still one of the best I know. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Tom. Good to hear from you again definitely tragic and devastating for Deb uh, I, I really felt sorry for her, and through the whole season, knowing what was coming, I've, I've really felt sorry for her, obviously first time round watching, you don't know what's coming, you don't know that um, she's being set up for a fall until quite late in the game, uh, so it really was it, it really oh, it broke my heart really and, and obviously watching this show with, uh, this season with, now with season five eyes um, and knowing what what's to come for Deb, it, it sort of enhances the, uh, enhances our empathy for her really. Now I know I've said this before but I'm personally getting a lot, a lot more from rewatching these episodes, like probably the vast majority of you, as I say I've got season 5 eyes, I've got a season 5 perspective, no spoilers but I know where Dexter is now and it's fascinating to look back and see where he came from and how he was back in these early episodes it can make certain moments mean so much more. So, yeah, you know, that's really in response to um, Tom, you saying you're not so keen on this show now as you used to be, which is a shame. Personally, I love this show more now than I ever did. But, hey, just an opinion. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Tom. Next email from Casper in Denmark, who says, Greetings from a sunny Copenhagen. Denmark, it's springtime. It's Easter holiday. It's fantastic. I just wanted to send you my thoughts on episode 11, Truth Be Told. I think it's a great episode from probably my favourite season. I say probably because, come on, season 4 is fantastic, but season 1 is special for me because it was the first and tells the origin of Dexter. I like the title of this episode, Truth Be Told, because it represents that the truth is coming out in this episode. Dexter finds out about what happens to him and his mum and who the ice truck killer is. Deborah also finds out who the ice truck killer is after accepting him to marry him, of course. Oops! And Rita tells the truth to her children about their father. So, I think there's a lot happening. Also, there's an important scene with Dexter and Sergeant Dokes, where Dexter lets his guard down a little bit, and shows who he is. A sign for things to come. And it ends with a great cliffhanger. Well, that was some of my thoughts. Thanks again for doing this podcast. It's fantastic. It's something I really look forward to week after week. Thanks, Casper. I really appreciate you emailing him. And for your kind thoughts on the podcast, yeah season one I think is going to end up being my favorite of the Dexter season so far um there's so much good stuff i've said already that um it's almost been one hundred percent solid good stuff this season um it's It's barely put a foot wrong in fact i'd be hard pressed to find something that hasn't interested me so much. The scene with Dexter and Sergeant dokes yeah we've we've seen dokes. Um, gets the creeps from Dexter but Doakes can't quite put his finger on it he doesn't know why and uh, maybe he got a little little bit of confirmation that maybe uh, there is there is a whiff of something a bit, a bit dodgy about him um, when Dexter warded him off so yeah, a bit of foreshadowing there perhaps and it'll be fascinating to see how that unfolds but maybe not this season OK, so thanks for the e- the emails and uh, for those of you who have been in touch on Twitter. If you want to drop me a line, you can. The email address is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at dissectdexter or you can follow me. My personal Twitter is at gareth underscore UK. The listler- listener lines in the UK, it's 0844 and you enter mailbox ID 08320. The U.S. listener line, I suspect, has probably died now. <laughs> it's been so long since my last podcast, I'm not giving you guys a chance to um, email in and uh, sorry, phone in and and break that 30-day inactivity thing that they have, where if um, the number isn't used in 30 days, then uh, they cancel it. So I have to check that and set up a new one for next time. Uh, so I'll. I'll put the new number on the Twitter feed and probably on the blog as well. So uh, if you're interested in dropping me a voicemail to talk about the finale, um, and please subscribe to the Twitter feed at Dissect Dexter, and I'll post the new number on there. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. You know, I'm not going to read a synopsis for the finale. We all know where it's heading, whether we've seen the finale already or not. Rudy has Deb incapacitated, and Dexter's on his trail. It did seem that he wasn't in a hurry to tell anyone at the police who the ice-truck killer is. And it's not surprising, really. He wants to get to the bottom of this mystery and find out what the personal connection is. The police will only get in the way. Dexter wants to know why this whole game was set up. Are his answers more important than Deb's life, though? We know Dexter doesn't operate like a normal person, though, so he will take these paths that the rest of us can look at and say, hang on a minute, is this the best way? Elsewhere, is out the door and Batista's on the men, but who cares about that? It's the main storyline we all care about, especially from a re perspective. A showdown is on the way, and I can't wait. Don't follow me. Follow the podcast, get on Twitter, and follow at Dissect Dexter. So that's about it for now. We're about to embark on the season one finale. I'd love to hear what you guys thought of it. If you've been following along with us, but not emailing as we've gone, that's okay. Why not drop me a line and just say what you thought of the season as a whole? There are no right or wrong, ans- wrong answers. No, that's not right. <clears throat> So, that's just about it for now. We're about to embark on the season one finale, and I'd love to hear what you guys thought of it, or even the season as a whole. If you've been following along with us, but not emailing in or phoning in as we've gone, why not drop me a line and just say what you thought of the season as a whole? There are no wrong answers, so don't be afraid to uh, be laughed at or anything. I I appreciate all your comments. I'll be covering the episode next time, of course, but also giving my closing thoughts on the season overall, so... Any feedback on the finale specifically, or the season as a whole, would really be appreciated. Never written in before? Go on, have a go, and get a mention on the podcast. I kind of summed up my closing thoughts on episode 11 at the end of the review. I'm excited to get on to the finale, but watching episode 11 again emphasised to me the rewatch value of Dexter. The show always does a good job of picking up the pace towards the end of the season, and you get well geared up for the finale. Before I go, I want to give a quick plug for a new podcast. Last time I mentioned an email I got from listener Matt Humphrey in Canada who was asking about Twin Peaks. I'm delighted to announce that he's taken the plunge into the world of podcasting and started his own podcast with three friends. The Twin Peaks podcast goes back and rewatches that enthralling and groundbreaking series from the early 90s. The show's unique selling point is that two of Matt's co-hosts have never seen the show before, so you've got two people re-watching and two watching for the first time to give a fresh perspective. The sound quality of the podcast is great, and the four of them get some good banter and conversation going. And there's some trivia as well, which is nice. The podcast is up on iTunes now, but you can also get it via their website, twinpeaks.blogspot.com. If you ever enjoyed Twin Peaks, give Matt's podcast a listen. He's a fellow Dexter fan and you can't get better credentials than that. OK, so <clears> throat> my throat feels like my voice is about to give out. So uh, apologies if I've sounded a bit croaky or nasal through the episode. I i don't know, with a bit of hay fever or a little bit of a cold hovering. Um, apologies anyway. <laughs> so that's it. I'm off. Hopefully it won't be uh, 10 years until the next podcast. Um, please do get your feedback in dissectingdexter at gmail.com I'd love to hear from you guys what you thought of season 1 and the finale in particular so take care thanks for listening thanks for your support and we'll dissect some more Dexter very soon with any luck cheers